Or I was in Acts 2 the other day. But Acts 8 is where I'm going to go today. A lot of things happen in this chapter. We'll, t- we'll cut into it at verse 26. <clears throat> and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Was returning and sitting in his chariot, he read Isaiah, or Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither. Thither is just there. Philip ran thither to him. And heard him read the prophet Isaiah or Isaiah. And said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he, that is the eunuch, said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture, which he read, was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a uh, lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered, Philip, eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, Thou mayest, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way of rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of that portion of Acts 8. Now, we're going to talk about this whole thing. I get these things on this email. Anybody ever get Quora? Q-U-O-R-Q-U-O-R-A. 
Beware of it. This guy claims to be a Hebrew scholar, and I don't know what else, but he puts some of the rankest heresy up on this thing. He is absolutely a Bible hater. But this one particular thing I did read, and and it really kind of ticked me off. He asked this question in bold black letters. Is Jesus in the book of Isaiah? And he puts up an answer. Ha, 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 ha. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. No. And if any Christians reading this bring up Isaiah 7, 14, a word of advice, don't. I read, speak, and write Hebrew, and I know what it actually says, not what you think it says. So please don't embarrass yourself. Also, the same goes for Isaiah 9, 6. Don't, really don't. I can pretty much guarantee it doesn't say what you think it says. Well, I can actually guarantee it doesn't say what he says it says. Of course, he didn't say what it says. He just says what it didn't say. Now, real quick, let's look at Isaiah uh, seven fourteen, So we'll know what he's talking about. And the reason I'm doing this is because most everybody gets email. And that's where this comes up on, on your email. But just, I click it off. But I did, I did read this one. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now if you read Matthew 1, 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now those two passages go together. Okay, uh, and then then he said uh, Isaiah nine six. <clears throat> For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, I don't know what he would say, but he didn't say what he would say. He's a liar. And what I just read to you, Uh, 
Philip ran to the chariot, and the eunuch was reading Isaiah. And the place of the scripture, which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. That's, that's Isaiah 53. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. That kind of looks to me like that the book of Isaiah is full of Jesus Christ. And so I don't know what's possessing this guy, but now I want to say something else. He's not the only one. I assume everybody's got a King James translation here. I don't think anybody's got another translation. But do you know that most of the translations, the new translations, they leave out verses 36 and 37? And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you know that pretty much all of the modern translations, they completely delete Verse 36 and 37. And if they don't delete it, they put it in footnotes. Or else they put it in italics. And say it's not in the original. But now, you know, I'm not bragging on myself, but I can click on to the TR and read it. The Texas Receptus. The text of the King James. And guess what? Both of these verses are in the TR, the Texas Receptus, and that therefore it belongs in our Bible. And of all verses, why would you attack those verses? Well, they say these are not in the, the best manuscripts. We have the best manuscript. They're talking about Get your, your textual criticism brains going now. The three major texts that they talk about are the Sinaiticus, the Alexandrian, and the Vaticanus. They say they're the best texts. However, they don't go back to just the 4th century. And how is it that they have those texts? Because nobody ever used them. 
The Sinaiticus, it's in the British Museum. The Vaticanus is, of course, in the Pope's house. And the Alexandrian is in Alexandria, Egypt. But the Sinaiticus, it was found in a monastery at the base of Mount Sinai in the Arabian Desert. A guy by the name of Tischendorf, German. He found it. You know where he found it? He found it in the Kindling box. Those monks were using it for kindling to start fires. And he claimed that he saved the Bible. No. He just perpetuated some kindling. And that's the reason they've got those manuscripts because nobody ever used them because they knew that they were heresy then. I don't care what's in those things. We've got the text that goes back to Antioch and Syria, the church that laid hands on the Apostle Paul and sent him out. Now what, what they're trying to tell us is that up until the middle to late 1800s, when they began discovering all these so-called manuscripts and these uh, parchments that nobody ever had the true word of God till then. So all of the tens of millions of men, women, boys, and girls that dedicated their lives and offered their lives to be burned alive and everything else never had the Bible. That's what they're saying. And each time they come out with one of these new translations, oh, this is the best. So you mean now we've got the best they never had it back then. You know, as far as I'm concerned, they keep the mouth shut to me. I'll never buy another, buy another translation. Now, if somebody gives me one, I'll put it in my heresy books. Somebody gave me a Douay Reims Catholic Bible the other day. I didn't pay for it. I don't know, it's been a few months ago now, I guess. But... We've got the Bible right here. If we don't, we're all in trouble. We've got the Bible. But now, I like verse 36 and verse 37. There's not anything in either one of those verses that would cause me to be antsy about them. Not at all. Well, let's look at this thing. We'll try to get this out. This is sometime after the day of Pentecost. All of the excitement on the day of Pentecost. And you know that's what it was all about. The Lord was putting his approval and empowering and accrediting his kind of church. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. I wanted to do this. Hang on just a second. Yeah. 
In the first verse of this chapter, chapter 8, look back there, you're still there, that's all right. And Saul, that becomes Paul the Apostle, was consenting unto his death. Well, Paul was given authority for Stephen to be stoned to death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church. Now, what a lot of these Protestant Baptists say, well, that's just the church, universal church. That's not what it says. The church which was at Jerusalem... And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. A great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. When you see the church in the New Testament, it's going to be a church with a local address. It's not going to be just the church. Doesn't do that. Nowhere. Somebody argue with me. Y'all, if anybody's listening to this outside here, somebody please argue with me. Please tell me I'm wrong. But you know I'm not. Anyway, so now Philip the evangelist, he, up in chapter 21, he's called the evangelist. Uh, Started out, he's a deacon at the church at Jerusalem. One of the ordained deacons at the church at Jerusalem. What he's got, he's preaching, he's doing some evangelistic work. So is there such a thing as a preaching deacon? Yeah, there was here. Does a deacon have to preach? No, but he can. (laughs) Anyway, so I don't know how to handle this. The angel of the Lord said to Philip. And then up here, verse 29, it said, The Spirit said, Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Was there an angel and the Spirit of God or just termed it different? I tend to think it's that. I don't think he needed two to tell him, but two did. I mean, an angel and and the spirit, I don't see why that can't be the same one. But anyway, no big deal, just mention that. He said, go toward the south on the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza. Uh, That's on down the coast, south of Jerusalem. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia. Well, in this first century A.D., Ethiopia was a pretty prosperous place, pretty wealthy place. And you see this, this man, he was the treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia. And I think Candace is like Pharaoh, like a title. I don't think it's her personal name. I think she was a queen. I know she was a queen, but anyway. Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Now Ethiopia is not known as a rich country in these days. 
Matter of fact, it's been a very poor country because of the politics and religion of it. But it wasn't that way in this first century. So this man uh, who was treasurer, he had the charge of all of her treasure. Now, you know, the man, the man that takes care of the treasury of a king or a queen, he's got to be pretty high-ranked, pretty trustworthy. And it, he had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Well, he obviously wasn't a pagan. Now, he couldn't be a part of the temple, but he was a believer in, in Jehovah. Well, and he was returning, I guess going back to Ethiopia, which is right good chariot ride. And he was sitting in his chariot and he read Isaiah, the prophet. Well, and then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Well, now you got to understand that whether you're talking about the angel or the Spirit of God, there's something going on on both ends of this stick. Amen. And you find that throughout the Scriptures. When God tells his servant to do this, he's also telling somebody up on this end to do something. He works it together. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. And that's what's going on here. So, how do you know that he was reading the, reading the book of Isaiah and needed help? He's God, you know. So, Philip ran. That's how we ought to serve the Lord, isn't it? <laughs> The Lord says do something, we'll run. If, if I can run, I can run at this. And now that other one on the back of my car. But he ran thither. You heard the hither, thither, and yon? You ever heard that? Thither, just there. And he ran thither to him. Him is in italics, but understand that's the right direction. And heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And Philip said to him, do you understand what you're reading? Well, it hurts some people's feelings to find out that they're not understanding what they're reading. I read lots of things that I don't understand. Read some of uh, Danny Faulkner's works. The astrophysicist from the Creation Museum. Read some of his, read, read his photography stuff. Anybody ever read that? I mean, not only is he an astrophysicist, he's a, he's a photographer. And he'll tell you when he takes pictures of the, of the moon or the sun or the stars and all that, he'll tell you what shutter length and all, all, all of that technical stuff. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't take pictures. I'm not a photographer. But he tells you about all that stuff. Well, we like to, we like to pride ourselves on Knowing something. But you know what? When it comes to God, it's completely different. When it comes to His Word, although there's nothing, nothing that would stop intelligent reading of the Word of God, only it's not just the intelligent reading of it, it's got to be the 
spirits, meaning of it, and that application. So we're not going to do that with our native intelligence, and neither could this eunuch. Well, now obviously, this eunuch, he was an Ethiopian, and I think there's no reason to think that he wasn't a black man, and there's no reason to think that uh, the queen wasn't a black woman. I mean, they're from Ethiopia. That's their country. That's not a put-down. And he had all kinds of education. You know, he had to have the top education to be able to take care of the queen's treasury. He had to know what he was doing. So he was a very well-educated man, very well-respected man. And he had great authority. Is that what they said? Uh, yeah, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch. Everybody know what a eunuch is? It's, it's a man that has been castrated. And they generally did that in early childhood. And the reason they did that was so that that man would grow up and not be a sexual man. And that way they could trust him with the queen or princess. Take care of them. And that's the reason they did that. Now, say, said, well, that's, that's pretty bad. Well, let me tell you, it hadn't been so long ago that the Roman Catholic Church would take those boys in that Vienna boys choir and they would castrate them so they, even up into their old age, they kept that high voice. You can find it if anybody wants to. I did one time. I don't think I'd ever even try it again. But I found it. There is a uh, movie clip of the last castrato, that's what they called them. Little boys that had been castrated that were singing in the Vienna Boys Choir, that's Catholic Choir, and they castrated them to make them spend the rest of their lives singing in that choir so they could, so they could please the Pope and all the Catholics because they like all that weird demonic singing. That's what it is. But the last one known, he was an old man. And there's a movie, like a black and white movie clip of him singing. And that high, weird, demonic voice that they kept him in. Now, you talk about what you want to talk about, but I'll tell you what. The Roman Catholic Church did that, and they might still be doing it. I don't know. So it wasn't just pagan governments that did it. It's the Catholic Church that did it and delighted in it. Shouldn't I have, shouldn't I have to say that? Shouldn't I have to say, how many already knew all about that? Some of you did because I've said it before. But you heard it from me, didn't you? You don't hear it from other people. You don't hear it from them. They're not going to tell you the truth. That's what Derek put up on the Facebook. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? From the book of Galatians, what Paul asked the churches of Galatia. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? People say, oh yeah, we, 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 we love the word of God. Just don't tell us the truth of it. 
Because they're liars. They don't want the truth. Anyway. So there's great time of excitement in Jerusalem. And now the Lord sends Philip to a chariot out in the desert. And here's this fella reading the book of Isaiah. But he can't understand what he reads. Now he's reading the same uh, verse 33. Uh. 32 and 33. Well, you go to Isaiah 52 and read them. I think it's verse 17, one of them. That's what it says. Oh, said the same thing for us that it did for him. 2,000 years ago, before any of these versions, perversions were ever made, before anybody ever discovered olive bait, German K, those three symbols, those three texts, Alexandrian, Sinaitic, and Vaticanus, before they were ever even thought about by this modern bunch, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the same Isaiah as we read. If you're saved, you understand it. He didn't understand it. He understood what he was reading, but he didn't know how to apply it. He said, how can I except some man should guide me? And then the eunuch answered, verse 34. He said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Now, you see, he understood what was being said. He just didn't know who it was talking about. See what I'm saying? The man was intelligent. It wasn't that he didn't have proper intelligence, and it wasn't that the Scripture didn't read straight. It read just as straight as it does now. And that's why Jews can read that now, and they don't understand who it's talking about. There's a veil over their minds. Anyway, this black man of authority, he followed the light that he had. He didn't have all the light, but he followed what light he had. That says he was a pretty, pretty honest fellow. He was searching. He was reading. And he came to the best text available. Now, I don't know, but I think I could guess how it was that the eunuch was reading this text. Could it be that the Lord sent him to it? Why, sure it was. That's what I'm saying. God's working on both ends of this now. <laughs> okay. So, he ended up with the sunlight of revelation. Did you ever notice sometime when you're reading or studying something in private and you go to the house of God and God's man's preaching on it? Did you ever notice that? Ever happened to you? It's happened to me a bunch. Well, 
Philip, he was a deacon of the church at Jerusalem. He was obedient to the Lord, even to the preaching. And he ran in verse 30, ran there to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And then he continued on in verse 40. Philip was found at Azotus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Yeah. The best, the highest intellects can read the scripture, but their understanding must come from the Lord. Look at John's gospel. John 6. Verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all or they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. I think Isaiah 54. Means we're really into the book of Isaiah. Oh, 13. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Boy, we can't hardly get away from the book of Isaiah, can we? What that demon do is Jesus in the book of Isaiah. Ha, 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 ha. Anyway, doesn't matter how big your intellect is. If the Lord doesn't teach you, you won't learn. The scriptures can be understood, but they must be understood by the power of God. Now, the Ethiopian eunuch, he needed to understand. He definitely needed to understand. And human instrumentality, God uses. That's us. Don't ever think that he has to have you. If you don't go do what God says, you'll get somebody else. You just miss out on all of it. Miss out on all the blessings. But he's chosen to use human instrumentality. But you can't enlighten another human being. You and I cannot do that. Only God can. 
Oh, then look, while we're in Isaiah, look at Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. And I asked you, who could this possibly be talking about? Was anybody ever wounded for your transgressions? There's only one. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. I think I told you this once. I remember back in the 60s. Somebody was interviewing Martin Luther King. He was supposed to have been a Baptist preacher. He wasn't, but I mean, he claimed to be. But they brought up the possibility of him being assassinated. He said, well, he thought a lot about that. And he knew that he, he, he said, if I were assassinated, it would have a redemptive quality. Now, he got assassinated. Was it James Earl Ray that did it? I think that's who did it. Well, I don't remember anybody being saved by Martin Luther's death. That's what he said, redemptive. Anyway, Christ was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. Who is this? And that's what the Ethiopian eunuch was asking. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. That means he don't talk. There's one of the verses there. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death 
and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That's Jesus Christ there, folks. That demon. Uh, anyway. Philip or the eunuch had no doubts about the inerrancy of Scripture. Not one iota of doubt. They received this word as the plenary verbal inspired word of God, the authoritative word of God, neither of them had any doubts about it. And this must be understood by the eunuch. All we like sheep the black man, the white man, and everything in between. All, there's an all that means all. The only exception is Jesus Christ, and he made himself to be sin for us, and he knew no sin. All we like sheep have gone astray. But then he said, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The same Lord that paid for Philip's sins, paid for the black man's sins, the eunuch, same one. Then here in verse 37. 36, they went on their way, they came unto a certain road. Now this, this will let you know that Philip had taught him some other things too. Amen. Amen. The Bible doesn't necessarily tell us everything that happened. We'd never get done reading it if it did. But it tells us what we must know. And what it does tell us it is absolutely authoritative. It is absolutely accurate, correct. So they came into a certain water, not a puddle. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. You wouldn't say that to a mud puddle, would you? Or about a mud puddle. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, Philip wasn't a Campbellite. <clears throat> Philip had not told the eunuch that you got to believe and repent and be baptized. He didn't tell him that. That's what Campbellites tell you. Believe, repent, and be baptized. Listen to him on the radio. That's how they say it. Well, you don't believe and repent. 
Because repentance would be repenting of belief. You repent, you have another mind towards God. It's not doing something, it's having another mind. And then you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance towards God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, on the day of Pentecost, men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent, and then be baptized, every one of you. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He didn't say you'd get saved with that. He said you repent, repentance and belief go together. You'll be saved then, and then you get baptized, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And for our day and age, you'll be a member of the church and be in line for all the blessings of the Holy Spirit indwelling in the church that Jesus built. So here's what he says. Philip said, if thou, that's you, believest with all thine heart. And you got to be saved before you're baptized. Amen. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And the eunuch answered and said, here's his confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I'm thankful those verses are still in my Bible. I wouldn't have one of your cotton-picking perversions that omit those verses and others. Wouldn't have one of them. Don't send me an email telling me I need to try out some other uh, version of the Bible. I don't want one. I don't need one. You can't have one. All you're doing is trying to make money selling books. My Bible's plain. Don't want any other. And so what happened to him? He commanded the chariot to stand still. I'd say that's a eunuch did that. That wasn't Philip's horse. You can't command another man's horse there like that. And they went down. He didn't have a coconut shell with water. He didn't have a baby rattle like Catholic priests do. Oh, and Masonic chaplains do too. Both in the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and Philip baptized him. Immersed him. See, that word in the Greek means immersed. Plunge under. Amen. Didn't sprinkle him, didn't pour. Immersed him. Now, the Roman Catholic Church and the majority of other churches, high churches, they call themselves that, they sprinkle little babies. That's not what went on here. This eunuch was a grown man. And he gave wonderful evidence that he was a saved man. If thou believest with all thine heart, 
You can't say that to a baby. He said, Philip, or Philip said to the eunuch, said, is Christ everything to you? And after going through what he went through, you'd have to say that Christ is everything to you when it comes to your salvation. I've been saved for a long time. And I know that my salvation is locked up, lock, stock, and barrel, wrapped up in Jesus Christ, his person, and his finished work of redemption. The eunuch went on. On his merry way. He went on his way rejoicing. Went on his way to where? To Ethiopia. See, I can't prove this. I can only surmise this because I know what the scriptures teach. And this eunuch was a man of great intelligence and a man of great importance and authority. I think he and his scriptural baptism at the hand of the church at Jerusalem. He had scriptural baptism. I think he went back to, on his way back, he was preaching. How did the Donatists get into Northern Africa? By the fourth century, they were mercy all across there. Somebody had to take the gospel down there and it looks to me like the Ethiopian eunuch was the first one to do it. And the message that you give is the same one that you receive. What Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I also first received. And you also received it if you keep in mind what I preached to you unless you have received it in vain. Believed it in vain. The only message that the eunuch had was the same one he had been preached, had preached to him. And that's the one that he had. Amen. So the Ethiopian becomes another evangelist of sorts. Just like Philip was. And so he was saved. He was baptized and he was immersed after believing and he went back home to Ethiopia declaring the gospel. 